Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose? Hope you're wearing maroon today. It's always good to get out and rep the brand. We're Bulldogs. We should be proud of that fact. Had a lot to feel good about here uh, the last couple years. The reality of it is, is that uh, we need to identify ourselves, walk along, give each other a hell state. It's always important. I love having a chance to, uh, to meet other Bulldog fans. You know, it's like you always feel like you're among friends, right? That's important. It's important to understand that. Uh, before we get into uh, the show, big announcement yesterday, Mississippi State extends women's basketball coach Sam Purcell. Back-to-back days, good news on the basketball front. Zach Selman had this to say, Sam Purcell is the winningest first-year coach in school history for a program that has a strong and storied tradition of success. He is one of the top rising star coaches in the country and has made an immediate impact through his expectations of excellence and his commitment to serving our student-athletes in their competitive academic and personal pursuits. I am thrilled to continue working with Sam as we build upon the success of Mississippi State women's basketball. Purcell said, My family and I have fallen in love with Starkville, and who could blame him? And I am so honored to be your head women's basketball coach. I greatly appreciate our director of athletics, Zach Selman, and President Dr. Mark Keenum trusting and believing in me to lead this program for years to come. This extension directly reflects the hard work and countless hours that my staff, my team, have put in this past season. We work each and every day to make our fan base proud because without all of you, none of this would be possible. I took this job because women's basketball matters in Starkville, and I take the pride that you have in your program, our program, seriously. We are building something special here at Mississippi State, and my family and I are so proud to call Mississippi State home, end quote. So, I like the fact that we've taken care of this so quickly, right? I mean, it, it's not you know, one of those things that you feel like it's emergent, but it's like, hey, it's, it's good to see Zach Selman kind of handling business, right? You can take care of the men's coach. The next day you announce the women's coach extension. Uh, all that's important. And so congratulations to Sam Purcell and his family. Of course, uh, ladies made a little racket this year in the postseason. And this is a roster, of course, that uh, – has been through it. They really have been. And uh, kind of a hodgepodge in many respects. I'm eager to see what Sam Purcell can do once he gets his players in here. And uh, that's the big thing kind of going forward. I believe we have the right coach. Just a matter of getting the right talent to fit that system. And uh, we'll get back to competing for some big things. I do. And uh, I remember, you know, the, the moment for me where I really felt like, you know, Sam Purcell – was the guy. And there were a lot of good moments last year. But I felt maybe against Tennessee when we played them here. And we won that game in double overtime. And the calls were going against us. They were. And a lot of people were critical of Sam. Sam got a technical foul and ultimately uh, allowed them to tie the game. But I think that he sent a message to our fans and to our players that we are here to fight. And fight we did. It's a big win. We haven't beaten Tennessee too many times in our history. And that was a ball game that clearly was not going our way. 
despite the fact that we were outplaying them, it felt like the officials kept Tennessee in the ballgame. And sometimes you just got to say, hey, we're not going to put up with it. We're not going to put up with it. And I thought he sent a message to our team, hey, we are here to win. And if I got to get in trouble for us to win, then so be it. We get in the NCAA tournament. Of course, we, we win the play-in game with Illinois. That game really wasn't competitive. Then we drilled Creighton. 81-66, and nearly knocked off number three Notre Dame, three-seed Notre Dame. We lose that game by five. And uh, how special would that have been to get to the Sweet 16? But um, really good year, first year for Sam Purcell. Really first good year for Chris Jans. Probably uh, maybe both teams overachieved a little bit. I don't think any of us expected in the preseason for this Chris Jans team to make the tournament. I think we were hoping, but they did. And they really played with such effort. I mean, we only had the one big blowout, and that was on the road to Tennessee. We played exceptionally hard. Now, on the women's side of things, like down the stretch there, I don't know that anybody really wanted to play us. You know, I go back and think about that abysmal loss at Georgia. The next thing you know, man, we rattle off three in a row. We lose a game in Missouri we had to have. We win a couple and lose down to Baton Rouge. The game was competitive for a while, but give the Tigers credit. They were an elite team. They were. Won an Apple title. But in the second half of the SEC schedule, I don't know that anybody looked up and saw Mississippi State on a schedule and said, hey, that's going to be an easy W. And I think the best is yet to come on both sides of the men's and women's uh, basketball side of things. And so, again, I'm excited. And it, you know how it is. It's like, you know, in years past, there have been times where only men's basketball has been good. There have been times where only women's basketball has been good. There have been times when only baseball has been good. Times football has been good. But it's nice to be able to enjoy the full year of Mississippi State Athletics and feel like, hey, we have a, a, a chance to win more times than not in every sport. So a really good year in most respects this year for Mississippi State Athletics. Of course, baseball is still floundering. You know, we talked about Scott Foxhall being the – Terminated, and I've spoken to a couple people, you know, closely affiliated with some of our players, and I, I'm told, of course, they're very sad because they all like Scott Foxhall. Scott is an, an amazing guy; he's an amazing guy, and I know that I know Scott understands it. It's a business. I mean, when you when you take on the vocation of being a coach, you understand it. Everything is tied to winning and losing. It is, and when you're the assistant coach, you're often the first to go. Usually the head coach is the last to go, kind of like the manager, your boss, right? They're going to they're they're give the manager, the person they're most invested in, uh, the best opportunity to make it. It's how life works, you know. But uh, I wish Scott Fox all the best, and I, I've been told that uh, players are taking it pretty hard because they feel responsible. It's like now a guy that we really like a lot and we respect is out of a job because we hadn't got our job done. So I'm eager to see how we respond. Again, I understand we're going to do this kind of on a by-committee approach. You know, Lamonis is kind of managing, you know, the pitching staff. He'll make those decisions. It's his program. It's, uh, you know, it's his responsibility. And uh, Luke Hancock probably going to call a lot of the pitches. I think Luke will be behind the plate a lot more. Arkansas is not a team that runs it a lot. We're going to talk about Arkansas a lot after the first break in the show. Razorbacks are coming in here beat up, too. Maybe you hadn't paid attention. Arkansas actually 11 and nine in their last 20 games. So just you know two games over 500. They're ranked six in the country, but they have not been dominant as of late. And again, they're kind of beat up. So we're going to kind of talk about who's available, who's not available 
uh, here in our preview shortly. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I plan to get through there one day this weekend, maybe tomorrow. Be a good time. And in, in uh, case you didn't know, Saturday's game is also a night game. So we're going to play tonight and tomorrow night under the lights at Duty Noble Field. So that maybe that gives you a chance to kind of get out and enjoy some Bulldog Burger Company. Maybe stop on your way into town. If you're coming up from Jackson, maybe stop there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and eat there. If you're coming in uh, from the Northeast, swing in the Tupelo location. Live music tonight. All the fun starts at 6 p.m. They're Bulldog Burger Company in Tupelo. Go by and enjoy some live music. Enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. You'd be glad you did. It's nice they're doing some cool things there. You know, on Friday night, a good way to end the week, man. A nice meal with friends or family or both and some live music. I'm a big proponent of live music. Matter of fact, uh, let me think now. Nine days from now, I'll be seeing Bad Omens in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Really excited about that. And if you're coming to Starkville, maybe you're spending a night star. Well, go by the location there on University Drive. Have that Mississippi barbecue burger. I think that's that's a game changer for me in many respects. I really, really like that one. Yeah, they've made some new additions to the menu, right? That's the one thing I love about the crew at Bulldog Burger Company. It's never just a status quo, right? I can get my f- familiar favorites, but they're always trying something new. They're always trying to expand the selection there. I appreciate that. And uh, commend them on their efforts. I can tell you that, uh, again, my youngest son works at Bulldog Burger Company. He can't wait to get to work every day. He's had some other jobs, and they felt like jobs. But uh, you know, he, he congregates with his uh, coworkers. They get out and go, go to lunch together. They hang out. You know, it's a family up there. It's, it's what you'd expect it to be. I'm very proud to partner with a great organization like Bulldog Burger Company and the Eat With Us group. And if you've got some college students here up here that maybe need a night out, maybe you're the favorite aunt or uncle, go to the eatwithus.com, eat with us group, and uh, maybe order a gift card and send it to them. Kind of unsuspecting. Send it to them. How many times, think about this, guys. How many times did you want to take a girl out for a nice meal and you didn't have money to do it? I, I was broke as a Ten Commandments as a college student. I don't know about you guys. But if somebody's like, hey, let me send you a gift card here for 100 bucks. Go out and have a nice meal on me. Whether I'm taking a friend or I'm going on a date, all of a sudden everybody had a better time, right? So maybe you do that. Maybe you hadn't considered that. You know, we're getting into the semester now, but maybe you've got some, some relatives that will be here for the summer session or maybe they live here year-round. Do something nice for them. Go to theeatwithus.com and order them one of those gift cards and they can eat it. You know, they can eat at Bulldog Burger Company or you know, any of the family of restaurants. That's a great, great idea. It really is. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into Arkansas here. The Razorbacks have won eight of the last nine against Mississippi State. And that stinks. It does. You remember that 2021 year, right, when they came in here and smacked us around? It was tough. I remember us dropping a pop-up, too, in that second game. We had a chance to win the game. We basically let them back in the ball game because of our own ineptitude defensively. And we were a good defensive team that year, but that was not a good day. But all that said, they've had our number. They have. And Dave Van Horn is a fantastic coach. I respect the fact that, especially with all the injuries they've had, I mean, they've had some big ones. They're 33-12 and 12 overall, 14-7 and 7 in the conference. And you look at this team and you say, hey, you know, is there a big leaguer on this team? I don't think there is. I think it's just a lot of good quality college players that are working hard. 
there's some guys that will get drafted and get to the minors. But, I mean, there's nobody you look at. You look in years you know, recently, you look at some Arkansas players say, hey, that guy's a big leaguer. I don't know that I feel that way about this team, which makes the job that Dave Van Horn has done the more remarkable. It's not a star-laden team. It's not. They have been outstanding at home, 28-3 and on the year. You'd expect that. I mean, it's an incredible atmosphere. We'll go up there next year. They do a great job up there. They really do. But they're 3-7 and seven in true road games and 2-2 two and two on neutral sides. So 5-9 and nine away from uh, Bomb Stadium. They open up the year in the college baseball showdown out there at Globe Life Field. They take care of Texas 3-2. And te- Texas is underachieving. They get absolutely drilled by TCU, 18-6 in Game 2, and then they respond and just absolutely destroy Oklahoma State, 18-1. So they win a couple of games out there at Globe Life Field. We know what a good event that is. We were out there in 21. Really, really well-run event. And Arkansas, obviously, uh, kind of geographically a good fit for them there in Arlington. We'll go out there, too. we got a lot of good Bulldogs out there in DFW. But a 2-1 start to the season. And then they rattle off, I mean, a ton here. They knock off Grambling. They get Eastern Illinois, two out of three. They lose the Sunday game, 12-3. to That's a little bit of an outlier right there. You'd say, well, how does that happen? Because they absolutely destroyed EIU in games one and two. It was 13-2 in seven innings. They win 10-3 and then lose 12-3. They get Illinois State in the midweek. That was an 11-inning game. Had to walk that off. They sweep Wright State, they get Army, they get Louisiana Tech in the three-game series, and and, and Tech is a solid mid-major. It is. UNLV goes in for a couple midweek games. The Razorbacks get both of those. They open up SEC play with a sweep of Auburn in Fayetteville. And the games really weren't that competitive, 7-2-9-3-5-0. They get Southeast Missouri in seven innings on a Tuesday, 12-2. They go down to Baton Rouge, and we knew, hey, this is a big one here, right? 9-3-10. and 10. They get Skeens on Friday, and they explode late in that ball game, put up a ton of runs, and win 9-3. You don't see scores that lopsided very often in extra innings. Then they get 10-run ruled on Saturday, 12-2. It happens to everybody. It's not just us. And then they lose 14-5 on, on Sunday. I, I guess game three was a doubleheader on Saturday, but um, – the Tigers take the series, and at the time, to the tiebreaker against Arkansas. They bounce back and 10-run rule Omaha, 16-3, and then they lose a Friday night game at home to Alabama, who's been in the headlines here as of late, in case you didn't know. And they absolutely destroyed them, 12-1. to Goodness gracious. Arkansas bounces back, wins the Saturday and Sunday games, 9 6 5 4. Arkansas State game is canceled. They travel to Ole Miss. They take two or three from the Rebels. And at the time, that seemed like a pretty big deal, even though Ole Miss was struggling a little bit. This was a big loss early in the the SEC slate for the Rebels. Arkansas, a doubleheader on Friday. They they split that 11-2 and then lose 7-4. And in Saturday, game three, they win 6-4. Arkansas Little Rock has been a, a pretty solid team this year. And they get them 21 to 5 on Tuesday and then bounce back, and as do the Rams, or tro- excuse me, Trojans, and they win 11 4. So Arkansas splits a pair with Little Rock, and Little Rock nearly beat Ole Miss earlier this week. 
Then Tennessee comes to town, and this is when I think people realize, hey, Arkansas has been good. And this weekend they played great. They got Tennessee in there. They go 5-2, 6-3, 7-2, and sweep the Volunteers, which we felt like put the Volunteers in a bit of a free fall. Then they bounce back and sweep Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, right? All right, Arkansas gets Central Arkansas, and then they go on the road. And this is one of the things when injuries begin to mount up is what happens. You have a bad weekend, and they did. They went to Georgia, lose 6-5, 7-3, and 9-8. All three very competitive games, especially games one and three. But all of a sudden, that brought Arkansas back to the pack in the SEC West. They still maintained a top ten ranking. And Georgia was really struggling at the time. Kind of found something then. Missouri State then goes into, uh, excuse me, Arkansas goes to Springfield, Missouri, and Missouri State gets them 8-4. So a four-game losing streak there as of late. They bounce back and take all three from A&M. 7-5-10-4-8-7. I don't know what to make of this A&M team. I just think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team by any stretch. And then this weekend in 11, our friends, the Bison of Lipscomb, go into Fayetteville and win 8-6. And you may not know this, but um, Arkansas needed some help from Lipscomb to stay in the ballgame. They, uh, they scored two runs on wild pitches. And those, those runs count, don't get me wrong. But it's not like they went up there and just knocked uh, you know, the, the Bison pitching staff around. They play that game in North Little Rock at Dickey Stevens Park. And uh, Lipscomb with the win there. And uh, really cr- good crowd there. So – uh, Arkansas has announced, much like Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west guys that uh, they are going to be TBA most of the weekend. Our, our thing comes out and people are like, oh, why are we TBA? Well, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. I mean, wh- what if what if we have to use Colby Holcomb tonight? Like Now, if Cade Smith can give us six, then maybe Holcomb is your uh, Saturday starter. But, you know, if Cade can give you four, you may have to go to Colby tonight, which will eliminate him from starting on Saturday. 
you know, we're not exactly sure where Gart is right now. You know, it's like, you know, Gartman, of course, uh, you know, missed a week in the rotation, came back last week, was pretty good. Wasn't great, was pretty good. Is he available this weekend? We don't know. We don't know. What do you do? I don't know. But uh, looking inside the numbers here, this Arkansas team, again, not, nothing really jumps off the page at you. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's the thing. Again, they're, they're just winning baseball games. It's not one of these situations you look at and say, you know what, hey, they're great at this. They're not really good offensively. They're not. Now, as a team, they're hitting 283. But here's what's interesting about that. So, they're going to be short a few players this weekend. Maybe you're aware of this. Maybe you weren't. And so, let me pull it up for you right here. Okay. So, Jared Wagner, a transfer in, a guy that's hitting 351, the second leading hitter on the team. He's out with a thumb injury. Not expected to play this weekend. I guess he could maybe have a pinch hit situation if he's feeling good, but they don't expect him to play. Tavion Josenberger, not expected to get him back until the postseason. He's a third leading hitter on the team at 322, has seven tanks. And Wagner's got a dozen home runs that leads the team. And then there's uh, Peyton Stovall, who has really struggled at the plate as of late. Some of that they believe is connected to a shoulder injury. They finally just decided to kind of shut him down. He's hitting 253, but he's got five tanks. And his numbers have dipped in SEC play, and a lot of it, I believe, is a tribute to that injury. All right, so three of your regular starting nine are out. And this is a team that's hit 68 home runs. And then 24 of those jacks, no longer in the order. So you begin to think, okay, what does that mean, Steve? Well, it, it means basically that Jace Borofin, who has been outstanding for them, not going to have the same level of protection behind him. I, I tell you, one of my favorite kids on this team is Kendall Diggs. I really like him a lot. 312 on the year, Ajax, got one triple to his credit. Um, 42 ribbies, which is uh, second on the team. Kid can really play. But now all of a sudden, all of a sudden you start working through these numbers here and you start thinking, okay, well, where does the offense come from? Now you've got some guys, obviously, like Peyton Holt, now probably expected to play uh, third base. And then there's uh, Harold Cole, will probably play at second. Uh, he's hitting 257. He's got three jacks. But there's a reason those guys are playing behind the starters. If they were as good or better than the starters, they would be playing. So, again, kind of a beat-up team here. And, and Stovall's a guy that it seems like Peyton Stovall has been there a long time. really does. I mean, he's a very, very solid fielder for them. And one thing is you look at these numbers, too. This is a team that doesn't run it exceptionally well. 40 of 55 in stolen bases this year. That, that is not a good percentage by any stretch. And then Josenberger is out. He's a leading space, base dealer at 9 and 12 on the year. Uh, Peyton Stovall's 3 for 4. He's out. You know, and so Wagner's 3 for 3. So all of a sudden, some of your more prolific base dealers, if you can use that label, no longer on the base pass. And I think that opens some things up for Luke. I think you can feel, you know, you know how it was early in the year, man. It's like a walk is a double, right? It's not like that now. We're doing a better job holding runners. We're doing a better job controlling the running game. And this is a team that really doesn't like to run a ton of bases. But also, too, this is a team that doesn't get a ton of extra base hits. And so I think you go out there and you and you throw strikes and you don't give them 
free base runners, you got a chance to win the series. I'm not expecting that. I didn't pick it that way. I've got State losing two games to one because I just don't have any faith in this bullpen. And maybe with Nate Dome being back, that'll give us an opportunity here because you got to string this thing together. You got to win, win the game today. We wrote a song about that. Win the game today. But this is an Arkansas lineup that, from an average standpoint, pretty decent. But with that, we consider extra base hits really not. The power numbers are just okay, you know. I mean, and then the fact too that you take uh, Wagner out of the lineup, it's a much different deal. So they got to kind of piece this thing together. Now that's not to say that Arkansas doesn't have some depth. They absolutely do. They do. And uh, I do expect them to win the series, but I think it's going to be a competitive series. And I won't be the least bit surprised if we show back up here on Monday and we're talking about State found a way to upset the number six team in the country and take two out of three. I won't be the least bit surprised because I think there's just a lot of unknowns and a lot of question marks about this Arkansas team health-wise right now. And some of the bigger issues are on the mound. Jackson Wiggins is a guy. That guy's a dude, man. He is. And uh, you found out before the season he was done for the year. Of course, he was expected to be a weekend guy for them. And, again, you hate it, man. You hate it for any kid. You do. It's not like tweaking a shoulder, you know, in two to three weeks you come back. When you you get a a UCL, sometimes it's a two-year deal. And recovery time is 12 to 15 months, and you hate it, man. You only get a short time in life to play baseball. You get a short time in college to show Major League Baseball scouts what you can do, and then you're losing, you know, a year and a half to two years. And then sometimes it takes a little while to round back into shape. And so you hate it, man, because these could be life-changing type injuries for these pitchers. You hate to see anybody get hurt, but to see a guy lose, you know, a good bit of his eligibility on something like that, it's, it's, it's terrible. It is. And, it, I mean, it's like you look at and you want to assign blame somewhere, and it's just kind of part of our game right now. We've got to find a way to do a better job. We've got to do some things differently. We do. Cody Frank, also done for the year. His is a, uh, a lat injury, from what I understand. Uh, he only had six appearances this year with a 3.09 ERA, but you know, he was the guy they expected to kind of be a bullpen piece for them. He's done. And then they announced earlier this week, and, man, you absolutely hate this, man. Dylan Carter, perhaps the best middle-to-long reliever Arkansas has, done for the year, Tommy John. And I read a report yesterday. They said initially they thought he was okay, put him back out there. Then they did the diet test. And they found it, torn UCL. It's terrible, man. And uh, Dylan Carter was 6-0 and on the year. All of those wins came in relief. He hadn't started a game yet. Also had a couple saves. Uh, allows right at a hit per inning, but uh, we're not going to see him. So he's done for the year. And then there was some discussion about uh, you know, Hunter Holland. You know, what's he going to do? He's had 11 starts. He's TBA this weekend. There's talk that he may not be able to go this weekend. So then somebody else has to move up. Uh, you know, Bre- Brady Tiger opened – it was the opener last week. If Brady was a guy early in the year they feared might be a Tommy John casualty too. And then they said, oh, no, he just needs some rest. They just started bringing him back. He's only got five appearances on the year. And that guy's a dude, man. He tied us up last year in Fayetteville. A guy from uh, Mississippi too. The guy that grew up a Razorback fan too. A lot of people like, oh, we must get every kid. It'd be like my kid growing up in Baton Rouge and, and uh, choosing Mississippi State of Rail shoe. I mean, you're going to go where your heart is, right? But this is a pitching staff that is really, to be honest with you, had more significant injuries than the Mississippi State pitching staff. 
I would venture to say, too, these guys, to a man, probably a little more talented than what we have. We have some young guys who are going to be dudes for us. But, you know, this is an Arkansas team that is really beat up. Now, we know for sure we're going to see Hagen Smith and I be battling the Smiths. Um, Cade Smith versus Hagen Smith. And that's all that anybody's announced is Cade versus Hagen Smith. Hagen Smith, uh, 2.64 ERA, 6-1 on the year, 12 appearances, six of them starts, got a couple of saves, uh, leads the – the regulars, with the exception of Holland, I guess he's second, third on the team, excuse me, uh, with 47 and two-thirds innings pitched. And uh, 31 hits, so well less than a hit per inning. Walks 27. That's a bit of a concern for him. 71 strikeouts, so you know, he's less than 3-1. to one. He is a guy, too, that um, will challenge hitters. He wants you to put the ball in play. But opponents hitting just a buck 87 against him. It's a guy that's getting under barrels and getting soft contact. And we'll kind of see how things go. You know, Cody Adcock's got six starts under his belt. Will McIntyre has 13 starts under his belt. Uh, McIntyre's a guy that uh, among the regular starters has probably struggled the most. 13 appearances this year, 10 starts, a 5.82 ERA, 55.2 innings pitched. He's allowing over a hit per inning and uh, has given up uh, 17 home runs. I had to double-check the number. 17 home runs, and opponents are hitting 288 against him. Yeah. So, do you trot him out there? We're, at, we're an offensive team. You challenge us, we'll do our best to hit it out of the yard. But this is an Arkansas team that's allowed 62 home runs this year. Their opponents have allowed just 68, and the fact that they're all playing most of those games at, uh, at bomb, you would think would favor Arkansas. But, uh, again, you get in this bullpen, it's going to be a bit of an adventure. You know, one of the guys, you know, Gage Wood, we'll see him. And, and usually you see him when they're tied or have a lead. 1-0 on the year, 17 appearances, got four saves, 21 innings pitched, uh, 33 strikeouts, 15 walks. But, yeah, this is not a pitching staff you look at and just, you know, this lights you up here. And you look at these numbers and you begin to think to yourself, man, how is Arkansas in the position they're in? What? They got great leadership. They got a great coach. They got a guy that knows like, we're going to focus on today. We're going to find a way to win the game today. And again, there, you look at this, there's just, there's not a star. The guy that just jumps off the page at you and you say, you know what? Hey, this is the dude. You, you know, Bofern's probably the closest. Brady Slavin's a guy that's kind of been up and down a bit. He's had some big games in Starkville. Some, he had a big home run against us last year. Big left-handed guy there. Got to be careful with him. But, again, you go up and down this order, just a good, solid college baseball team led by a legendary coach. Just find a way to win games. But you know what? We've had that team coming here before, and we found a way to get it up. And, um, again, they haven't been good on the road. It's, it's amazing to look up and see that away from home, they've only played ten road games this year. Ten. How will they handle you all? You know, it's one thing when you got you know, 10, 12,000 people cheering for you. What do you do when they're cheering against you? Well, they, in 21, they came in here and showed us we don't care. I remember they smacked Christian McLeod early in that first inning. We were thought, oh, holy smokes, what have we gotten ourselves into? So I do expect a very, very competitive series. And if State can go out there and throw strikes and keep the ball in the yard, we got a chance to win this series. And I don't just say, well, we're going to play the game. So, yeah, there's a chance you may win. I think when you consider the fact that um, 
you know, maybe State is kind of getting healthy and Arkansas is not, it's probably a good time to play those guys and we're playing them in our yard. I think if you can find a way to get a split and get to Sunday, you got a chance to take this series. I don't expect that to happen. I don't. But if you win tonight, man, the rest of the weekend can set up really well for you. Absolutely could. But uh, I know this about Arkansas. They will come in with a great approach. They'll have a great game plan offensively to attack our pitchers. They'll know our tendencies. And so I, I think that's one of the things that you look at and say probably favors them. But then there's the X factor. you got a completely different guy calling pitchers now. And so all of the tendencies, for the most part, are kind of out the window. I mean, yes, Cade Smith still has the same stuff. Cade Smith's a guy that likes to get ahead and counts. Cade's a guy that likes to throw first-pitch fastballs, right? That's on him. But when you work deeper in the counts, you know, when Foxhall's been making all the, the pitching selections, now all of a sudden he's not. So now your scouting report kind of has an asterisk next to it. Well, this is what they usually do. So it'll be interesting. Again, how Mississippi State attacks these Arkansas hitters. That Hey, they're good at putting the ball in play, but they haven't had maybe the power numbers that you would expect from this Arkansas team. So, again, nothing, again, you look at this Arkansas team, you just hang your hat on other than toughness, man. They're just, you know, some talent and toughness. And we got to be prepared to be tougher than them. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair. B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is the guy you can be confident in because Blair has seen it all and done it all. Blair is a mortgage professional. 22 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. top 1% close ratios in the country. You want, maybe you're an atypical borrower. Maybe you got a non-conforming property. Maybe there's something out there. Or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe you've got an atypical property and you're a non-conforming borrower. Get my, my, my nomenclature right. But Blair is a guy, obviously, that knows what he's doing. He's a bulldog, too, through and through. Has a place here in Starkville. Season ticket holder in multiple sports. Come out and be a part of this, man. If you are a person that needs to refinance and perhaps get a HELOC, or maybe you just, you know, the dream of home ownership has eluded you. There's nobody that's going to serve you better than Blair Chandler. Mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Let me give you the digits. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That's closewithblair.com. All right. I got to thinking. You know, we and, and thank you so much for your pet peeves, too. I had some people reach out, too, and say, you know, pet peeves. And, like, one of the things, and, and I guess it kind of goes without saying, uh, can't stand people that um, chew with their mouth open. Can't stand people that pop their knuckles all the time, and that's me. I, I'm constantly doing that. I'm always at a computer. You know, here we go. There you go. Always, always, always having to pop my knuckles, Right. And things like that, you know, and uh, somebody else brought up to me, you know, about like long, long lines at gas stations. I don't know how we fix that. I know we can adequately staff the gas station, right? I did have some people that said, Steve, I feel just like you do when I'm walking through the store and like people just stop in front of me without warning. It's like I just want to put like a brake light on them or something or a blinker. But we're all living a collective experience here where we all inconvenience each other in some respects, for sure. Today it's a little different, though. We're going to stick with a theme, though. In honor of the Razorbacks coming in, and I don't mean this derogatory about them, okay? Please don't. So I'm sure there's some Arkansas fans listening to the show. 
on the way down here. I'm not taking a shot at Arkansas, but they're the hogs. They're the pigs. So we're going to have our top 10 songs about pigs. How, how'd that be, right? Our, our pig-related items. No bacon um, on this show. I do enjoy bacon, though. Nice, crispy bacon. I love it. Uh, but no, no bacon songs. Even though uh, I guess there was also the Great Promise album, Pork Soda, right? That's not included. All due respect to uh, Les Claypool. Okay, so here are songs about pigs. Top 10. You didn't think that was coming, did you? You did. You know, we did the Rock of Arkansas a while back. We love Evanescence. Who, who knew that we had such a gothic beauty from Little Rock, Arkansas, named Amy Lee that would uh, put together just an amazing band with uh, Ben Moody and Evanescence, right? They didn't make the list either. But my favorite band did. And this is a song off of my least favorite Molly Crew album. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Number one, and I know that I'm in the minority. I'm perfectly okay with it. I like what I like. You can like what you like and dislike what you dislike. I will never be that music snob. I mean, you know, I got some choice things to say about Green Day and Nirvana. You know, it's uh, it's funny how that works. But um, but anyway, I, I, I love what you love, man. I mean, life is short. Death is certain. Find something you enjoy. I love Motley Crue. You guys know I have a, I have a leg sleeve. My lower right leg is all Motley Crue. Um, so Motley Crue, Generation Swine. The album was very disjointed. There's a couple reasons why. The self-titled album with John Karabi as a singer is great. It is great. And people say, yeah, but it's not Motley because it's not Vince. And then the same people go on and criticize Vince for being overweight, not being able to sing all the words. I'm just happy they're out still playing. Still having my favorite band. Still, you can, I can bring my kid and go watch him play live, right? And there's a new album being recorded. So I'm excited about that. I can go watch a Dirt if I want to. But uh, Karabi, I love John Karabi when he was with The Scream. And, of course, after he left Motley, he was with uh, Bruce Culloch and Union and those are really good albums, too. And I uh, had a chance to meet and visit with John uh, here several months back over in Huntsville and uh, ended up running his merch table for him. Was happy to do that. But what a great guy. And um, I think John was kind of unfairly maligned and blamed for a lot in Motley Crue. It's not John Karabi's fault that they fired Vince Neil. And then they bring in John Karabi. Who, that, if you can get your hands on the Screams album, Let It Scream, it is amazing. I absolutely love that album from start to finish. I do. And every so often it'll pop up on iTunes for like a month and it's gone again. I have the hard copy CD. You can find it on YouTube as well. Uh, but nevertheless, Karabi joins Motley. They put that self-titled album together. Probably my favorite song on that, besides Hooligan's Holiday, is Till Death Do Us Part. And so they were in the process of, of writing and recording Generation Swine. They fire Karabi. Electra basically says, hey, you got to bring Vince back. They work it out. They fire Karabi, even though he had done nothing wrong. The record company is like, hey, fans are just not supporting his version of Molly Crew. You got to go back. And it's never been the same since then. We've had some high moments, but it's never been the same. So the problem was with Generation Swine is that a lot of these tracks were, were written with Nikki Six and John Karabi, and they were written with Karabi's voice in mind. And Vince comes back, and as much as I love Vince, his voice is a little bit whiny compared to Karabi. And so the album comes off very disjointed. I rarely ever listen to this album. 
Rarely. It just never crosses my mind. Like, hey, I want to hear Generation Swine. It's like let me, when Motley pretended to be a uh, cover band of the Sex Pistols, right? It's like we're trying to be punk, and it just didn't work. The fans didn't accept it. There's really not a lot on this album that's remarkable. But uh, Generation Swine, the title cut, is your number 10 song. Number nine, we're going across the pond here, and uh, this is an alternative band with a British flair to them that uh, maybe you're familiar with, maybe you're not. But uh, pretty interesting track here from them. We are the pigs from the London Suede. Most people just call them Suede. Uh, had some hits, been in the mid-90s, Animal Nitrate was a track, but uh, they're still out there touring. They haven't recorded a new album in a long time. Uh, much different, of course, than the Motley album, but uh, the London Suede, huge following, too. Huge following. And maybe you're unfamiliar with them, but uh, again, this is kind of an eclectic list here. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit, but that's a band, too. If Like, if you're looking to kind of get back into something maybe you're not as familiar with when you're out on the road, and maybe put on Suede or the London Suede Essentials, they're on Apple Music. Just maybe ride for a while. I think you'll like some of that stuff. It's not as heavy and as edgy as I like it, but they're interesting. Speaking of interesting and eclectic, Queens of the Stone Age. It's Run, Pig, Run. You know, of course, Queens of the Stone Age, uh, very interesting band. You know, they got, they'll just change in the middle of a song, completely change everything. Every, every, the tone, the timing, Everything. And of course, uh, you know, Dave Grohl went out for a while and toured with those guys as a drummer. Number seven, I'm going to give you the parental advisory sticker right here. If you're listening to this list in your car and you got kids, you probably want to skip this one. It's our friend Be Real and Cypress Hill with pigs. And that, of course, is about uh, police officers. There is some language in there that many people will find offensive. I'm just going to tell you that now. They will. But it is an interesting track. And it fits our theme for the day. But uh, I don't know if you could play, I don't know if they could perform or release a song these, these days. It's like we, we, we talk about we've become more progressive as a society, but we're a lot more sensitive too. So I, there's an interesting juxtaposition there. Am I free or am I not? Am I more free today than I was 10 years ago or am I less free today? It's like, oh, well, you can say whatever you want to say as long as it doesn't hurt my feelings because I'm a delicate little flower, Right? I'm going to say what I want to say. All right, number six. I got a good friend of mine that will be excited that his favorite band of all time made the list. It's the Beatles and the track Piggies from the White Album. And if you don't know the White Album, young people, then uh, that's an indictment on your parents. You should know the White Album. One of the most iconic albums of all time. All right, number five, another classic band that hasn't been on this show a lot, but they're going to make an appearance today. From the Adam, the uh, goodness, the album Animals. It's Pink Floyd's Pigs. The three of them, I think, is what the subtitle was. But uh, of course, this is basically about you know rich people and you know you're casting your pearls before swine and things of that nature. You know, there's a, there's a there's a thematic influence in this album. And Pigs is one of the better songs on the Animals album. So I think it fits not only the motif, but it's worthy of inclusion. Number four, a song that's been on the top ten list before. We did it. We did a top ten, and uh, this is the first single off the iconic album, The Downward Spiral, from Nine Inch Nails. I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. If you're not, I encourage you to give them an opportunity. It's a much different, aggressive, angry type deal, 
But in my mind, Trent Reznor is a modern-day composer. He is also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, deservedly so. But the fact that Motley and Soundgarden and Iron Maiden are not in, I would trade Trent for them, for sure. All right, Nine Inch Nails' March of the Piggies. And again, it's the same thing. It's A lot of it's about the media. A lot of it's about, you know, maybe people that have uh, mistreated you in the past. But uh, it is a very aggressive song that uh, has some unique sampling on it. And Trent's one of those guys, too, that's always looking to find something to kind of make the sound a little more unique. All right, number three. It's Jane's Addiction. That's right, Perry Farrell, Dave Navarro, and the guys there. Jane's Addiction been around for a long time. They still do some shows from time to time. You know, of course, Perry Farrell was the founder of Lollapalooza. It's a wonderful thing, and we didn't do anything like that. There were no festivals of any note until the early 90s. It's a much different dynamic these days. Some like there's a festival every weekend. But we're going with Jane's Addiction's Pigs and Zen. I, th- I think it's one of Perry Farrell's shiny moments. Very unique voice from Perry Farrell. Number two, this song has been on here before. The video was kind of a claymation, animation type thing. And it wasn't just the video that set it apart, but it certainly gave the song some juice when it was released. It's Green, green Jelly's Three Little Pigs. They were originally called Green Jello, and of course uh, the people that manufactured Jello didn't like that. So Green Jelly's Three Little Pigs, and it's kind of a modernized version of the classic nursery rhyme. And if you go back and watch that video, you'll see how silly we all were. We thought that was really cool. I, I still think it's, it's, it's interesting. Maybe it's just a bit of nostalgia with me. But Three Little Pigs from Green Jelly. But number one, and to me, there could be no other choice. It's Black Sabbath's War Pigs. The greatest song ever about pigs. And it's also an anti-war song. And I'm anti-war too. But I understand that that's part of accountability. That's part of living on a planet. When people do things like uh, come and you know, fly airplanes into your buildings, you, you have a duty to respond to protect your citizens and to teach other people, you know what, this is not the way to go. And so I understand war is part of it. And I understand the whole misnomer of fighting for peace. I get it. I understand every bit of that. But the problem is that there are evil people in the world that would choose to do us harm. And that's not to say that America is completely blameless in that. We've done some things in the name of, uh, you know, the American way that pretty despicable, too. And so this is kind of what the song is about. You know, it's about these war pigs. You know, generals gathered in black masses just like witches. Our generals gathered in their masses. I, I, I sing a song karaoke and I can't even get it right. But it's Black Sabbath's War Pigs. And, uh, of course, it, it's a long, elongated song with a lot of instrumentals. Uh, parts in it too but everybody knows it wherever you go wherever you're from everybody knows the song war pigs that's number one for me top 10 songs about pigs hogs swine anything related to do with the porcine species that's my top 10 you may have an idea it's different than mine that's okay i'm not married to this list I just thought it would be interesting considering our opponents this weekend. And again, no disrespect to Arkansas. A lot of respect for Arkansas baseball, truly. Um, And if you're coming to Starkville, uh, please come enjoy your time. Be safe. And uh, go eat at Bulldog Burger Company when you're in town. You'll be glad you did. And uh, if you can't get in there, go to one of the other Eat With Us restaurants. You'll have a great time. Harvey's. 
the grill. A lot of good places to eat here in Starkville, for sure. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. And you can find Roy, the keeper of the list, at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. And just give Roy a follow, right? And that way our list will just kind of auto-populate. And so when you're looking for something, because you know how it is, you get tired. It's like, oh, I've listened to the same thing over and over again. And you kind of need something to uh, kind of change you up a little bit. We're here to serve, man. Putting these great lists together now for you for what, three over three years now. And I want to thank Roy for doing that. Uh, very appreciative of that. And our buddy Gordon Griffin went back too, you know, uh, and went back and put those lists together on Spotify because the, the first several we didn't do anything with. And then Gordon of his own volition said, hey, let me help because I know other fans want this stuff. And you'd be amazed how many times somebody hits me up wanting to find the list. Hey, Steve, have you done this? Okay, well, yeah, we have. Oh, can you send it to me? And I go find it for him. Sometimes I have time, sometimes I don't. But it's been nice that Roy's been able to put those things together for us. All right, congratulations to all the uh, Mississippi State uh, folks that are finishing up finals. I know uh, next weekend's graduation. I know it is for us. I know uh, we'll graduate. Mia will graduate next Friday. Got family coming into town, which means I got to clean up around here. Um, my standard of living is much different when my wife is home than it is uh, when she's not. Uh, but the reality of it is a lot of you have worked exceptionally hard, and now you're about to go out of the workforce, and I just want to congratulate you and your families. It is a shared accomplishment. Even though you're the person that walk across the stage, I can tell you not much has made me happier in life than seeing my children walk across the stage and earn their college degree because I don't have one. And maybe someday I will. Maybe I'll go back and get it. We'll see. Uh, but I can tell you, as great as it is for you, and you are the center of attention. Right? You have earned it. You're the one that stayed up late, you sacrificed, and uh, it's incredible. It is. But I can tell you, even if your parents don't have the words to say it, maybe they're not as articulate as me, maybe they're not as open or as emotional as me, I can tell you, as a parent, and I know that I speak on behalf of all parents, it's a very, very huge moment in our lives to see our children graduate from college. It is. It really is. High school, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's a big deal at the time. It is. But it's almost a given, right? It's much different going to college. It's much different. And so I want you to understand not only what you have done for yourself to make yourself more employable moving forward, but the gift you have given your parents. And, yes, they may have helped pay for all this. Maybe you got student loans. I don't know. But I can tell you, if you have your parents, if your parents are in your life, and I hope they are, and I hope they're supportive, it won't be just about you to them. They will, of course, the focus will be on you, but the gift that you have given them um, is something that you can't even put a price tag on. All right, next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution, doing an amazing job for a long time. Neatly... Butt it up on the backside of campus. You can swing through there and do all of your Mississippi State shopping on your way to the ball game. You don't have to be worried about being late. Not that big a town, but it's nice. It's so conveniently located. Go by and see their smiling faces. If you can't make it to town, I encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. 
Uh, please support them. You're doing yourself a favor. You're also supporting a Starkville business. Listen, I do a lot of business on Amazon. I do. But when I can buy local, I always do. I always buy local. I get all of my Mississippi State merchandise uh, at Campus Bookmark. I encourage you to do the same. All right, let's look around the league. Interesting. Interesting couple of days since we have been together. You know, we'll go back, and uh, there was just the one game, uh, I guess we talked about it yesterday. Uh, on Wednesday, South Carolina takes care of Winthrop. But last night, a couple of series got underway. I won't say that it was a surprising result here, but Alabama all over Vanderbilt 11-2. And the fact that uh, Alabama went out there and played, it's kind of this us-against-the-world mentality. Now, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, – uh, Coach Bohannon thing. A little bit. You know, of course, a few details are getting out there. I don't know what can be believed at this point. But the suggestion that is out there is that Coach Brad Bohannon instructed somebody to bet against his team in a game that he was coaching. And I don't know if we have had many <sighs> violations of integrity that exceed that one. To encourage somebody to bet against your team in a game that you're coaching where you can impact the game and you pull your Friday starter. And you know what? The guy may have been hurt. They said he had some tightness in his back. Maybe he did. And they threw a guy that hadn't pet since March the 16th. LSU got out to an 8-1 lead. Alabama came roaring back and made the thing awfully interesting. But it's uh, pretty egregious what is being alleged and it is a black eye for our sport and certainly for Alabama athletics. It has had all kinds of problems here in the last several months, as you guys are aware. But uh, good for the kids, you know, because that's the thing. Yesterday, Pete Thamel and Kendall Rogers both reporting, attributing to sources that it does not appear that any players were involved in this. And that's a relief. It's still a very, very serious and negative situation. And, and the thing you've got to wonder about here, too, is – is there a criminal component to this? I mean, when you look at the history of the NCAA, when there have been point-shaving incidents, and those have mainly been in men's basketball, there has been a legal case on the criminal side of things. And you begin to ask yourself, if you bet against your team, did you do anything to ensure that the bet was covered and that your team lost the game? And so, you know, last night, Greg Burns on the field congratulating the players. Big 11-2 game, Pickney with a grand slam. And Alabama just kind of, you know, jumped all over Vanderbilt pitching. Of course, later in that ball game, you're trying to manage a weekend. You're not throwing premium arms once there's separation in the game. But uh, Alabama, you know, doing what they need to do. And uh, it's been interesting, too, to see so many of the Alabama fans that maybe are just kind of casual fans of baseball kind of rally around this team here in the last 24 hours. A very, very, very negative and very serious situation. I'm eager to see what we learn. You know, the report yesterday from ESPN was that uh, apparently the phone records suggest that the gentleman making the bet or the individual making the bet was on the phone with Brad Bohannon, who was getting ready to coach a baseball game. I don't know what we can uh, draw from that. I don't know what's going on in Coach Bohannon's life. I, I have no clue, and, and nor do many of us. 
But this is one of those situations here you look at and you say, you know what, that this is as bad as it gets. As you've got a coach betting against his team or in, you know, in some way instructing someone else and you don't know if he, uh, you know, was part of the proceeds, you know, if he benefited from that in some way. You don't, you don't, I don't know that at this point. I don't think anybody does. We'll, we'll, we'll get some things here in the weeks to come, I'm sure. But it's terrible. I can't begin to imagine a greater sin than betting against your team or instructing somebody else to do it and then going out there and coaching the game and then you lose. Now, granted, with Paul Skeens on the mound, there's a good chance I wish she was going to win anyway. And I haven't gone back and looked at the box score, watched the game or anything like that and see if there was any questionable moves late in that ball game, you know, that, uh, that aided an LSU's win. I don't know. But I do know I love college baseball. This is a sad day for college baseball. All right, Missouri, uh, they take care of your Rebels. Uh, Missouri, obviously, your second favorite team this weekend, uh, being Mississippi State and then whoever's playing Ole Miss. And uh, we really need a split here, right? If we're going to have a chance to make Hoover, for whatever that's worth, we don't need either of these teams to sweep because wins are going to be tough to come by for us. Ole Miss jumps out to a 5 nothing lead. I was watching the game, and after McCants hit that home run to push Ole Miss up five, I said, I think I'm done watching this. Missouri battles back to get two at the bottom of four, and then Ole Miss takes it back out to 7-2 to two and then gets as far ahead as 9-2 to two in the sixth. And then Missouri with six runs. In the bottom of six to make it a game, they get one in the seventh and then hit a two-run jack in the eighth. To go ahead, they tie it in the seventh, take the lead in the ninth, then they close it out to win 11-9. Very interesting. And we know what it's like. I told you guys, I didn't know what the wind patterns look like, but the wind is typically blowing out to right. It was seemed like it was blowing out everywhere last night because there were a lot of home runs in this ballgame. Gonzalez with one, McCants with one, uh, Kemp Alderman with one. And then Missouri... Mann has two, Morris has one, Bargo with one, Garcia with two. So a ton of home runs hit last night. Uh, Rivas went on uh, Friday. You know, he's been their regular Saturday starter. He goes five and a third and then allows four runs, eight Ks and three walks, allowed a couple of jacks. They bring in Riley Maddox, and he didn't get anybody out. They bring him in in a sixth, and that big decisive sixth inning that allowed Missouri to, to climb back in. And Roddy, Riley Maddox not pitched much at all this year. He's been injured. Finally got cleared. He didn't get anybody out. Allows four runs on three hits and a walk. They bring in Mason Nichols, a guy they're trying to make a closer. Pretty decent here for him. Five Ks, no walks. Uh, one hit on one run allows the one home run there. But it you know, kind of slows the game down. They bring in Jack Doherty to try to close it out. And he goes uh, one inning and then is saddled with the loss. Allows two runs on two hits. Of course, the big two-run home run there late uh, proved to be the decisive blow. So rather interesting. Again, Missouri takes uh, the first game of the series. And you look at this, you know, you know how, how do you plan to piece this thing together? Again, Hunter Elliott uh, done for the year. They, they should be used to him not being there. And, again, you hate that for the, the young man. You really do. But uh, Paige Chatagnier, everybody's favorite Rebel, 0 for 4 on the night. Uh, now hitting 247 on the year. Had a K. Put a couple balls in play. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, it is. 
All right, let's look at our, our, uh, our series this weekend. We had uh, talked a little bit about that on Wednesday. I said I would give you a little more in-depth preview here. Uh, Tennessee at Georgia, you, you gotta, the way Tennessee is swinging it right now, you got to favor Tennessee. I won't be surprised if Georgia doesn't get a game, but we'll take Tennessee to win the series here is they kind of consider their, you know, continue their climb up the SEC standings. You know, a sweep here actually would help Mississippi State. If if Tennessee could sweep Georgia and hang three L's on them, because Georgia, of course, ahead of Mississippi State in the standings, uh, they're 11th, we're 12th. South Carolina at Kentucky. South Carolina nearly got swept last weekend by Auburn. And as uh, somebody close to the Auburn baseball program told me, South Carolina came out in game three, and they were not going to be denied. Now, Kentucky scuffled. They lost four series in a row. They're still ranked 15th in the country. I still think they're going to make the tournament. And uh, I feel like there'll be a split here. I'd like to see Kentucky win this, but I like South Carolina to win the series two games to one. So Kentucky will probably take a game and with two weekends left. I think Kentucky's in with 13 wins. I think 14 wins. They're absolutely in. Absolutely in. Of course, Ole Miss is at Missouri, and I thought Ole Miss would take this series, and I thought they would win with Revis on the mound, but I thought Revis would throw tonight. But um, you know, now you begin to look at this. Does Ole Miss just go in the tank here? This is the easiest series they have left. Granted, it's on the road, but if they lose this series, my word. You know, and of course, you know, the thing about the standings, you know, Ole Miss, because State holds a tiebreaker, Ole Miss has to let, not only catch Mississippi State, they have to pass Mississippi State. If they lose this series, season could be over. Could be. I still think that Ole Miss will make a run at this thing. I do. Um, but I, at this point, having the benefit of having game one go Missouri's way, I think i got to go Missouri to take the series. Florida at A&M. And this is interesting, too. A&M, again, they're just kind of a middle-of-the-road team. Florida pitching it exceptionally well. I like Florida to take the series. We'll go two games to one here. LSU is at Auburn. Give Auburn a lot of credit. They went most of the season without winning an SEC series. They've now won them back-to-back. And I, I think about the job Butch Thompson's done with the Auburn pitching staff. They do not have a bona fide starter. They've had tons of injuries. Of course, Gonzalez is still out. And yet – they found a way to kind of string this thing along. You know, the, the main thing, if you're Auburn, you just got to avoid getting swept. I like LSU to take the series there, two games to one. That, that Auburn Park can play offensive at times, and LSU can swing it. But uh, Auburn doesn't have a lot of Sunday pitching. That Sunday game between LSU and Auburn could be a church league softball quality score. Again, I told you I like Arkansas to take a series against Mississippi State, but I'll be honest with you, I don't have a ton of confidence in that, that pick. But I also have even less confidence in the Bulldog pitching staff, especially in the bullpen. If you can find a way, find a way to win tonight. Could be a good Monday. Vanderbilt, of course, is at Alabama. I think Vanderbilt rides a ship. But you never know with the intangibles at Alabama. You know, this team could be playing on a mission. You know, I like Seidel, I like Williamson. They've got some guys that uh, really swing it pretty well. Vanderbilt, probably the best pitching staff in, in the uh, in the conference by far. They'll get, it, they'll get it figured out. Al, Vanderbilt traditionally responds pretty well after they get hit in the mouth, but you go back and think about, you know, they got swept by Tennessee. They win last weekend, but now all of a sudden Alabama's come out and punched them right square in the mouth. All right, let's look at the standings. Mississippi State still, still the number uh, 12 seed in the tournament. 
right now because the winning percentage were better than Missouri. Missouri, 273, State 286. So if the tournament started tomorrow, State would be the 12 seed. The tournament doesn't start tomorrow, though. Still got a lot of baseball left to play. Ole Miss now dead last at 5-17. and 17. So you think about this. Like, and they, they, On the SEC Network, they're always talking about, you know, well, Ole Miss may do this. You, the bottom line is this. They're absolutely running out of games. Absolutely. They got eight left. They have to be a game better than State. So they have to win two more than Mississippi State does down the stretch. And granted, their schedule is much more favorable than ours. You know, we get Arkansas, LSU, and A&M. But let's say State takes two out of three from Arkansas. All of a sudden, you you take two out of three from them, and Missouri takes two out of three from Ole Miss. All of a sudden, you pick up a game. Now you're two games ahead of Ole Miss with six to play. That's interesting to me. Again, Ole Miss has to be a game better than Mississippi State because State owns a tiebreaker. And, but the fact that we're sweating this thing out and the two Mississippi schools are, are competing for the last spot in Hoover is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. There's no way you can feel good about that. And like the discussion yesterday, people were like, well, you can't even laugh at Ole Miss because we're struggling so bad. Uh, I think we can always laugh at Ole Miss, but I understand what you mean. I can't even enjoy this, right? Because last year, that's what we heard all year. is like, oh, ha, 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 look at State, won an Apple championship. And the, and, and the joke could stop right there. They're experiencing the same thing we did last year, for sure. I mean, it's, it's eerie how similar it is. You know, we lose Landon Sims, they lose Hunter Elliott. It just the, the difference is it took longer to have the surgery. State, obviously, with some more serious injuries. But uh, it's interesting. It is. And so the fact that we're having a scoreboard watch – to, to leak into Hoover is not good. Georgia, 8-13. and 13. Again, they're two games ahead of Mississippi State. And so if Tennessee, that's 11-10 and 10 in the league, can sweep that series, all of a sudden you win the series this weekend, you're a game back at Georgia. So you've got a little margin there for sure. And uh, looking at the Georgia schedule here, because I think that maybe that's the, the, the mode we should look at. It's, let's go try to catch Georgia and not just focus on holding off Ole Miss and Missouri right? But the Georgia schedule is, uh, is not great. It's not. Tennessee, then they go to Missouri, and we know how, you know, playing up there in Missouri, as Ole Miss found out last night in, this, in uh, May, is not the easiest thing. And then, they're L, then they have LSU at home. You know, so you look at Georgia, you say, hey, they should probably win that series at Missouri. I think it's a toss-up at best. But they should lose series Tennessee and LSU. So there's going to be some room for us to have a little upward mobility here down the stretch. We've got to win games. It's as simple as that. We have to win games. We control our own destiny to get to Hoover. And like, hey, well, Steve, can we make a regional? Yeah, if we go win the SEC tournament, that's what it's down to. You know, but as long as there's something to cheer for, we're going to cheer for the Bulldogs to win. Not going to give up on this team. Not going to give up on this coaching staff. And uh, it has not been the season we had hoped for, not the season we expected. And, again, I give uh, the SEC coaches a lot of credit. They picked us dead last in the West, and we have not done anything to change that perception of the team. But if you're Bulldogs, you got to find a way to win this weekend. you got to find a way. And, again, I won't say it's a coin flip, but the fact that we're at home against a beat-up Arkansas team, I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I don't know that it will happen, but I can see it happen. Uh, but Vanderbilt, 
Uh, best record in the conference is 16-6 and six, despite last night's loss. South Carolina, two games behind them in the win column. Of course, you know, they're, they're going to play one less game because of the, the LSU deal. Uh, Florida, 14-7. and seven, Kentucky, 11-10. and 10, Tennessee, 11-10. and 10, Georgia, 8-13. and 13, Missouri, 6-16. and 16. LSU leads the West now, 15-5. and five. Arkansas, 14-7. and seven. You know, LSU's pulling for us this weekend. But, of course, LSU controls their own destiny. They don't need us to win. But we could give them a little breathing room for sure. And, of course, LSU locked in. I, I would suspect there's nobody in the country probably as comfortable as LSU as far as a top eight national seed, even though their Sunday pitching has been an adventure. Arkansas 14-7, and seven, Alabama 10-12. and 12. So everybody in the West outside of Arkansas and LSU, a losing record in conference, Auburn A&M tied at 9-12, and 12, and their state and Ole Miss. It's crazy to think about that. It really is. And, and there's no point belaboring the point here. We've been over it a, a thousand times here. But uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend and uh, could be a big one for State. Again, you need some help here. Again, you need Ole Miss and Missouri to split. And you certainly need Tennessee to win that series if Tennessee can sweep that series against Georgia. They, again, they've won two in a row, swept two in a row. Certainly capable of doing it. It'll give you some room here to maybe have a little breathing room. Maybe you can begin to kind of catch up here a little bit. But, uh, again, unless the Missouri Ole Miss team only plays two games – you know, you, you're, the best you can hope for is to maintain ground with one and put up ground on another. But, again, it's just disgusting to me. That that's what we're talking about here in the uh, first weekend in May. We're talking about the things we got to do just to make it to Hoover. I don't like it. I know you don't like it. But that's the reality of the situation. You know, I'd love to go to the SEC tournament. And, again, anything can happen. You and I both know I don't think State has the pitching to make a run in Hoover. But let's say, you know, you get, you know, let's say you can pick off a series against Arkansas and perhaps A&M, you know, all of a sudden you got double-digit wins. Maybe you still won from LSU. And at least you feel like maybe you've addressed the pitching concern and maybe you're trending in the right direction. I just don't have a lot of confidence in that happening. I don't. Is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? I don't think so. I don't. And maybe you see it a little differently than me. But uh, I want nothing more than this baseball team to do well and uh, to rally here down the stretch. I and mean, I've seen some posts and people are like, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to put this thing together and we're going to rally around the team. I just – at some point, it doesn't matter how bad you want it if you're not good enough to get it, right? There are a lot of times in my life I've wanted some things. I just wasn't talented enough to make it happen. So that's a bitter reality of life at times. So let's just take it game by game. And, again, uh, you know, Hagen Smith and Cade Smith going tonight. If Cade can be better – and maybe Nate can give you a couple and you get that game to Nixon, then all of a sudden you think, hey, we got a real chance to take this series. It would be incredible if we could. It would be. You know, but basically, you know, if you're thinking about a regional, <laughs> right, uh, you got to win eight – got to go eight and one the last nine games. And I think considering, number one, our quality of play, but also, too, the quality of the opponents, chances that happen are, are, are pretty much non-existent. Yes, there's always a reason you play the games. But this team has done nothing to show that they would be able to put together that kind of run, consistency. And I hate to say that, as much as I love Mississippi State baseball, but we are playing well beneath the standards of this program and our tradition. And um, got to figure it out. I do think Lamontis gets another year. I know many of you are rooting against that because you just have lost confidence in him. You don't think he's going to have the ability to turn it around. And I certainly understand that line of thinking. But uh, Lamontis, I do expect him back. I've spoken to some people uh, in the decision-making process, 
that are close to Zach Selman that feel like, yeah, he'll get another year. And maybe we just weren't ready to make a coaching change this year, too. That's, that's part of the thing, too. you got to think about as important as baseball is at Mississippi State. You know, maybe you thought, hey, halfway through the year, hey, we'll be okay. It's not even on our radar to have to change coaches this year. And then now here we are, and you've got a first-year athletic director that I think is, is going to do a good job for us. You know, but maybe he hadn't had time to put together, you know, shortly. He's not a baseball guy. He's not. And maybe because of the fact you look around here and you, you begin to realize there's going to be some coaching changes within the league, and you've got to think Mississippi State would be the best job available if you did. That said, I don't think you make a change this year. And, again, I, I've had some, I guess, some votes of confidence in that line of thinking, not necessarily, you know, votes of confidence uh, in Lamontis per se based on the last two years. I mean, everybody understands the mess that we're in. I just don't think we were prepared to make a coaching change this year, and I don't think we're going to make a coaching change this year. And, again, I know many of you are thinking, you know, next year's just going to be more of the same. Well, I certainly hope not. I, 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 I absolutely hope not. But the reality of it is is that um, I've shared that on the show before, never in the history of college baseball has a coach been fired two years removed from a national championship. It's never happened. And some would say, well, it's the first time for everything. And I just, you know, I just don't see it. Now, if something crazy happens, you know, like we remember, you remember Joe Moorhead after we won the Egg Bowl, uh, you know, John Cohen told me, you know, we, we, we feel like we're in good, we're trending in the right direction. And Joe was going to be back for another year. And then some crazy things happened off the field. You know, we had some guys not going to practice, electing not to go, seniors who didn't go to bowl practice. Of course, you had the situation with Willie Gay and Garrett Schrader, and they were both at fault. I know some of our people who tried to vilify Willie Gay. And again, I go back to that. Willie Gay and Garrett Schrader, both overly competitive guys. They kind of had a little dust up. It was over, and then Garrett went back over, and um, things didn't go well. And they're both at fault. Both at fault. But uh, some of our fans have made this more of a Willie Gay thing. They're wrong. Garrett Schrader was equally, if not even more responsible, uh, for the fact that this the situation was over. And, of course, Garrett got the worst end of the deal and had to miss a bowl game. But it's like – it's so easy when you're caught up in the big maroon bubble. You start thinking, okay, it's okay, it's okay. Guys, you know, we had two of our star players get into a fistfight following a practice, and our starting quarterback had to miss a bowl game. We had a culture problem. And there were some people closely affiliated with Mississippi State football, some people in the building that didn't like it when I did that show, and so we got a culture problem Mississippi State. And we did. We got better culture now. We do. We'll see how things go. But uh, the fact that that happened is inexcusable. I think you go back and look in hindsight. It's a story that we'll tell our kids or our grandkids, and they're not going to believe it. We lived through it, so we believe it. So, you know, barring something crazy like that happening, I think you can feel pretty confident Lamont will be back next year. When I was in Tennessee, they were asking me, you know, hey, do you think he's back? Yeah, I think he's back. You say, but Steve, what if we lose out? Well, you know, number one, I don't expect that to happen. Then I think Zach would have a decision to make. But I don't think it's going to get to that point. I don't. I, but, again, I wouldn't rule anything out. I'll just tell you, as of today, the expectation is that Chris Simonis will be the head baseball coach at Mississippi State in 2024. That's the expectation today. If things change, I'll tell you. You know, you, you go out there and, you, you know, you end up the year last year, there's going to be a lot of people out there, donorship out there, that uh, are going to vote with their checkbooks and they're going to get an audience with Zach Selman and they're going to say, hey, here's where we are with this. This is what we need to happen. 
And uh, there are a lot of people out there that say, hey, well, someone won't make this decision. I, I completely disagree with that, completely. Now, he may have some people he listens to, have some people in his ear, uh, but I don't think this is going to be a situation you know, where Zach Selman is basically a figurehead. There are a lot of people out there that said those kind of things. I think it's pretty disrespectful not only to Zach Selman but to Dr. Markinum. If Dr. Markinum has shown you anything, it's that you know, he's going to do what he thinks is best. He's been a great president for us. We all have our detractors, and we all have some people out there that maybe don't always agree with us. But the reality of it is, is that uh, Mississippi State's going to do what's best for Mississippi State. I think doc, Dr. Markinum understands that. He understands how important baseball is to this program, this university. Uh, but he also understands, too, that, uh, you know, Lamontis led us to our first national championship. And so, you know, how long does that grace last? Some people would say it's already run out. I think you'd give the guy another year. And then it's an easier decision to make one way or another. That's my take on it. You may disagree, and that's okay. I, I know your heart is in the right place, as is mine. We all love Mississippi State baseball. We want her to be competitive in all fields and courts of play. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, as always, by our friends at Portico. <clears throat> if I was moving to Starkville now, that's where I would move. You would be my neighbor. How much fun would that be? You'd come back, get a cup of sugar, talk sports with me if I'd open the door. Chances are I'd play the guitar really loud. My dogs would, uh, would bark at you. But nevertheless, we'd be neighbors. We're not going to be. But you could still run into me around town as you become a Starkville resident. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Brooks, uh, of course, uh, former Diamond Dog player that went to Omaha in 97-98. We appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State Baseball. And uh, Brooks is always here. I mean, it's like his life kind of centers around you know, his family, Mississippi State, like many of you. And maybe you want to bring your family up here to Mississippi State and say, you know what, I'll just consolidate my two loves into one, and I'll be a Stark villain. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between, you need a custom build that can accommodate you with that. They can't. You'll be glad they did. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on a 12 light going to campus. Very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go to the four-way stop. There's Portico on the right. Next time you're in town, go by and see it for yourself. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk a little bit about football. This is a lot of people are transitioning to that. I want to run through some couple things on the schedule here really quick. All right, so, of course, Mississippi State opens up the year with Southeastern Louisiana. That should be a cakewalk, but I'll tell you this. Southeastern was 9-4 last year. The, the, the talent differential is just going to be too difficult for them, right? I mean, listen, they lost they, they lost every game last year that you'd expect them to lose, and they won a couple of games. Maybe they were toss-up games. But the talent differential is going to be much, much different. This is a team that made the FCS playoffs last year. They upset – or maybe it wasn't really an upset, but they beat Idaho, and then they lose to Samford in the uh, second round. So this is a team, obviously, a really good FCS team – but State should win this thing absolutely going away. There's really no question about that. I think we, I mean, if we're ever going to stress about an FCS team, you got to go ahead and let me off the train because there's no reason for that. And listen, yes, I was there when we lost to Maine. Yes, yes, I was. All right, let's look at Missouri. Missouri. Let's look at Arizona. How in the world did Missouri get in there? Uh, Arizona, of course, uh, we went over there last year and we talked about, you know, jumping on that team. And uh, they, you know, they had a couple of pieces that were kind of interesting. They made a few plays here and there. But the week before they played Mississippi State, 
they get to tune-up game Northern Arizona. Of course, that'll be uh, should be a bloodbath for the Wildcats too. But I said when we beat them last year, I didn't think they were going to end up being a bowl team, and they weren't. They went five and seven on the year and three and six in the conference, and really didn't show a lot of signs of life down the stretch. Of course, uh, you know when they get into conference play, you know they beat a really bad Colorado team, but anybody really with a pulse really kind of got after them. They, they had a competitive game against USC in Tucson. Uh, but by and large, just wasn't a good year. They take care of Arizona State, the final game on senior day, kind of feel good about themselves. But, you know, again, that's a game I expect us to win. I don't think it's going to be a lot, a lot of issue there. Now, LSU, that, you know, anytime you say that, we expect a loss, right? I mean, there have been times in the past, I know we, when they came up here in 17, we knew we had a good team. We knew they were struggling a little bit. We thought we could get them, and we did. Maybe we had a chance uh, – a couple other times to get them. Of course, we get them at 20. At 19, you know, it's a much different dynamic. But, um, you know, looking at LSU, obviously they win the SEC West last year. Uh, they open up the year in Orlando against Florida State. You remember how crazy that game was last year? And then they get grambling the week before they come to Starkville. So a Power 5 opponent to open and then an FCS team so they ought to be in good shape before they get us. The next week they host Arkansas. So first true road game of the year is going to be here at State. Again, I expect us to lose this game. Can we compete? Yeah, we can. But I think the LSU product on the field this year is going to be even better than it was last year. I think it's going to go to a center around Jaden Daniels. That's a guy last year, and I said this on Bo Bounce Show today. I mean, that, that turned into a backyard football game, right? Daniel's just uh, getting third and long, and he would just out-athlete us. But uh, over the course of the season, you know, they figured some things out, of course. Uh, down the stretch, they were as good as anybody, and uh, except Georgia, right? Uh, they beat Alabama, obviously, to, to clinch the West there. But uh, down the stretch defensively, they were a really good team. Uh, Jaden Daniels kind of came into his own. The, the question's going to be kind of keeping him in the pocket and making him be a quarterback. That can be a real challenge for us. All right, so after two games, I got us two and one. Then we go to South Carolina. Now, South Carolina has Spencer Rattler, a very similar quarterback to Jaden Daniels. I would probably pick Jaden Daniels if I'm picking teams. It's my pick. But the reality of it is, is Spencer Rattler is a guy that can make you pay, but he also can do some things, sometimes decision-making with the football to keep you in a ball game. Uh, South Carolina was better than I expected them to be last year, and down the stretch, that you know, that, I don't know that anybody wanted to play South Carolina, unless maybe Notre Dame. But they end up eight and five on the year. State finishes with a better record. Uh, they go four and four in the conference. Of course, had the big win over Clemson. It wasn't a great Clemson team last year, but South Carolina opened up last year with a one and two record, losing to Arkansas and Georgia. And you, you expect losing to Georgia. That Arkansas team at the time was at home, and K.J. was playing. And so you think, oh, okay, well, here we go. And then they just kind of find something there. that They beat Kentucky and Lexington to kind of turn their season around. Then they get A&M that was terrible last year. And then they find a way to lose to Missouri. So really up and down. They beat Vanderbilt, lose to Florida. And then they pull out all the stops and beat Tennessee and Clemson to end the year. And I really thought that would be you – know, I thought both of those games would be losses. So give Shane Beamer and those guys a lot of credit – then they lose uh, against Notre Dame in the bowl game. But Shane Beamer ahead of schedule. This is a true toss-up game for us. They do have some significant losses, as do we. 
this is one again. You traditionally the toss-up game favors the home team. We got to find a way to go win that game. To me, this is the swing game, and really the difference between a good year and a great year is this South Carolina game. You cannot afford to be two and three after the first five because after South Carolina, we're going to host Alabama, and that's going to be a loss. I mean, I mean, until somebody you know <laughs> proves otherwise, that game is just going to come up on the schedule and every year we're going to assume it's a loss. You know, I guess back in 17, we thought we had a real chance to take the game. And we did. We blew it. But uh, looking at Alabama's schedule, you know, kind of, you know, they're always going to be ready to go, right? Uh, they host Ole Miss the week before they come to Starkville. And then they have the road trip to College Station the week after us. So you like to say, hey, this is a sandwich game. It's not. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be a decent team. But it's not like it's going to be, you know, Lane's coming up there. They're going to get all up. I mean, a lot of that is faded. You know, get your popcorn ready. So we kind of sandwiched in there with some SEC games, but I just don't think it's going to make a lot of difference. But what's interesting, though, is Alabama begins the season playing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive weeks, eight. So we get them, you know, kind of in the middle of that. But, uh, again – it's not like it's a trap game for Alabama or any stretch like that. I don't think anybody sees it that way. All right, so five games in, I got us three and two. I think we'll find a way to win at South Carolina. And, of course, we can't go up there and turn the, the, the ball over. But, um, you know, I think Spencer Rattler can help us if we'll let him. Then we get Western Michigan. You know, Western Michigan, obviously, that, that's a team we ought to be able to handle just on town alone. I mean, the fact they got to come down here and play, um, interesting, right? Give them some credit, too, non-conference. They're going to play Syracuse and Iowa and then Toledo. You know, and then Ball State, they get in a conference play, and then they come down here in the middle of conference play. So this is a team that will probably show up no better than 2-2, two and two, possibly 1-3. and three. And, again, a team, you know, last year that, um, you know, I guess at times was decent, but they ended up with a 5-7 and seven record. So it's a losing team coming in with a losing record. So it ought to be a game that we can handle. And, again, we shouldn't be sweating non-conference games like that. So, of course, I got that game as a dub. And then we go to Arkansas. Now, we have had some great success against Arkansas. We've won eight of the last 11. Now, to hear their fans talk, you would think that, you know, we're, we're in a different league. Like, they look at us like a Conference USA team or something. And forget the fact that we've won eight of the last 11 and could probably have won 10 of the last 11. Right, we, we had a, last time we got a favor, we missed three field goals and ended up losing by three. This Arkansas schedule is interesting too, and we start looking at how these things play out. Now Arkansas has a bye week after our game. However, they're going to play three or four on the road before we get there. So you open up Western Carolina. That's a dub. Kent State, W. They get BYU in Fayetteville. That was a tough game last year. I liked Arkansas to win. They did win. I got them winning this one, too. Then they go to LSU. That's a loss. Then they go play A&M in Arlington. That's a toss-up. Then back-to-back road games at Ole Miss, at Alabama, and then they host us by date. Then they play at Florida. And so I just wonder – what shape is Arkansas going to be in after we see them, after playing four consecutive SEC games and two on the road? I, I like where we fall on their schedule. And, again, it's a toss-up game. And I think, again, you know, by and large, you look at how these, these games have played out the last few years. They've been very competitive games. And I like us to go up there and win. And I, I, I tweeted it out 
and old Arkansas fans have saved it, want to shove it back in my face, that's fine. I, I'm confident that State should be able to go up there and win. And I think, of course, it's just my opinion. It doesn't count for a whole lot. But I think State would have won last year even if K.J. played. I do. All right, then we go to Auburn. Now, you never know what's going to happen with Auburn. But I'll tell you this, they don't have a quarterback. I know Robbie had a good spring. It'll be interesting how they use him. But at some point, you know, the running quarterback thing doesn't work in the SEC. Not long term. You've got to be able to throw the football and keep people honest. You have to. And I think this is going to be your transition. Not to say that Hugh Freeze won't be successful at Auburn. But it's interesting. Now, when I look at their schedule, again, I kind of like where we fall on the schedule. And not because of the fact that they play Vanderbilt the week after us, right? <laughs> they should. And they got to go on the road. And Vanderbilt, I think, will be a better team. Not that they, the talent differential would, would favor Vanderbilt. But in the, uh, in the weeks prior, you start looking at this thing. Okay, so yeah, UMass, that's a dub. Then they got to go to Cal. You got to go all the way across the country to play a Power 5 team. And, you know, listen, Cal hadn't been world beaters, but that's a game you might drop. And then you got Sanford, you should win that one. Then you got to go to College Station. Then you got Georgia. Then you go to LSU. Then you welcome Ole Miss in. And then Mississippi State comes in. You know, so what shape are they going to be in at that point? You know, again, I, I think because of the, uh, the emotional component of playing Ole Miss, I think that's something that's big. And two weeks before, you play a very physical LSU team. So, again, I kind of like where we fit. And, uh, yeah, I, I expect to go win the ballgame. It's a toss-up game. But, I, you know, I think when you don't have a quarterback, and we've been there, let's not look at, you know, the, the helmet stickers here. Let's look at the fact that Auburn maybe is not as talented as they have been. They went out and hit the portal hard. There's a reason for that. They had some uh, players that were kind of worn down after all the horse and stuff, right? I mean, that's just – that's part of the deal. All right, and so that next week we host Kentucky, and we mentioned Kentucky. On yesterday I made this comment. Kentucky has not won in Starkville since Sylvester Croom's final year. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. It hasn't been a good road series for us in recent years, and most of that has been self-inflicted. Give them some credit last year for kind of shortening the game on us. But offensively, we did nothing in that ball game. Dylan Johnson got hurt. We couldn't run the football. We couldn't throw the football. You know, even with that, I mean, what was it? You know, 10-6. You know, we had a chance there late, and we give up a big drive. The defense couldn't get off the field because the offense just simply couldn't sustain drives. And give the Kentucky defense for showing up. We didn't play well. They were a part of that. But when I think about this team coming to start, but for some reason, you know, we have been able to handle them pretty good here. Now, this is one of those deals, too, where I think this is the perfect time for us to host Kentucky. Matter of fact, if I had to pick a spot on their schedule, this is where I'd play them. They're going to uh, host Tennessee the week before they play us. The week after us, they host Alabama. So very physical Tennessee team, and we're kind of trapped in the middle there with that road game in the SEC. Not just to mention the fact that State has typically won that game at home, but I like where we're positioned in the schedule. 
Of course, Kentucky ought to get off to a 3-0 start, possibly 4-0 start. They should be 4-0 when they host Florida. And who knows how that game goes, you know. And so they could, you know, let's say they get Florida. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, does game day go to Athens to see Kentucky and Georgia play? I don't know. And then they get to Missouri. So they'll be a winning team when they come through there. But I love how we're placed on the schedule. I don't know that it could be any better. Our Texas A&M, that's our next game on November the 11th. We've had some success against them. As, as everybody knows, we have. We have played well uh, at their place. You know, Dak Prescott nearly pulled off a win down there. If we can make a couple special teams tackles, you probably win that game in Johnny Manziel's final home game in, at uh, Kyle Field. But we didn't, right? Now, of course, A&M last year, the only team in the West that wasn't bowl eligible, and, of course, they pull out that late win to beat LSU. Pretty crazy, right? They finished the year 5-7. and seven. And you're looking at this year's schedule. You know, this is a group two at A&M. You got to wonder, you know, you know, the Wolves are out. They've got to have a much better year. You know, Petrino coming in is huge. They open up, obviously, against New Mexico. That's a dub. They go to Miami. That'll be interesting. Louisiana Monroe, that's a dub. Auburn comes to Caulfield. You, know, you toss-ups typically favor the team that uh, is at home, not to mention, I think, the fact that Jimbo and I have been around a little bit longer is helpful. Then they get Arkansas, of course, in, in uh, Arlington. And then it's Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and then we go in. And so we're later in the schedule, and you got to wonder. This is the thing that I think about here. Of course, I'd love to play them you know, in between Alabama and Tennessee. What's this team's record going to be by the time we get there? What's their psyche going to look like? I mean, this could be a team right now. I mean, the rumors around Jimbo Fisher's future will be swirling at that point. There's no question about it. It's absolute you – know, if, if the season goes how we expect it to go for A&M, we should be playing for something pretty good, you know, playing for the Florida Bowl game, and they're going to be battling for their jobs. And so you got to wonder, what's that team going to look like by the time we get there? All right, Southern Miss, of course, uh, kind of a questionable you – know, I'll be honest with you, uh, playing them the week before the Egg Bowl, yeah, I don't know, you know. And we'll see how things play out. But, uh, you know, Will Hall and those guys down there, they will have them ready to play. There's no question about it. Now, are they going to have the talent? No. But they're going to have the motivation. The Southern Miss team went 7-6 and six last year. They win the uh, Lending Tree Bowl 38-24 uh, to finish the year with a winning record. And, of course, that win at the end of the year to get bowl eligible against Louisiana Monroe snapped a three-game losing streak. But uh, Southern Miss schedule, again, you know, I expect them to be decent. You know, they're going to be a good team, especially in their league. But they're, they have been kind of aggressive on the uh, scheduling aspect of things. They open up at Alcorn. They go to Florida State. And who knows what Florida State's going to look like. But, you know, non-conference-wise, give them some credit. They go on the road. That Louisiana Lafayette game is a, you know, two weeks before us. But a very significant game uh, in their league. And so we'll see how things go. But, you know, now Southern Miss has two weeks to prepare, you know, for your Bulldogs. And um, I expect to win the game, but I'll tell you, I don't like the way that one sets up. So it may prove to be a little closer than we want it to be, right? So finally, of course, we end up the Egg Bowl in uh, Stark Vegas. You may not know this, 
and uh, maybe I'm breaking some news here for you. But Mississippi State and Ole Miss ended the year with the regular season with the same record. And, of course, a lot of people were talking, Ole Miss is going to make the playoffs last year. Well, they didn't. They didn't finish in the top 20, didn't win their bowl game. But uh, finished the year on an 8-5 and five record with a four-game losing streak. And uh, they will come into Starkville, of course, looking to get the egg back. And so their schedule, you look at it, Mercer, that's a dub. They go to Tulane, that could be interesting. But I don't know, you know, I, you expect Ole Miss to be able to out-talent those guys. Georgia Tech comes to Oxford. You know, last year that game really wasn't competitive. The, the last to arrive, Jeff Collins, you think Ole Miss could get that one. It'd be 3-0 and going to Alabama. That's a loss. OSU coming to Ole Miss, that's a loss. Arkansas going to Oxford, that's a toss-up. Then they got to go to Auburn. Could be a really emotional week for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. You know those, those players are going to get up. They're going to see it as a rivalry game just because of what it means to their coach. And then uh, one of the greatest rivalries in the history of sport, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. They'll play that game, and then go, they go to – they host A&M. They go to Georgia on the 11th, and then they get Louisiana Monroe on Saturday and then get us on the short week. And, of course, that game being played in Oxford. You're allowed to was a big advantage, you know, Ole Miss had to go play a night game in uh, Fayetteville that wasn't good. Uh, and then uh, we were at home and got to get into bed early, right? Much different scenario this year. You know, I suspect if Lane Kiffin and those guys can play that game, uh, you know, 9 in the morning, they would. And we got to play Southern Miss. I suspect that Southern Miss will give us a much, much bigger fight than Louisiana Monroe. So – uh, just something to look at. But, again, I expect to win the game. But, yeah, so there's a lot of people – I'm a lot more optimistic about this team, I think. And I think there's some people out there, it's like we're scared to believe, so we're we're finding all these reasons. Oh, well, you know, Steve, we've got – we're changing the offense. We absolutely are. Absolutely are. That is a concern. But we get a couple weeks to kind of ramp up before we go play anybody of any significance uh, to kind of filter some things out. And if you don't think we're going to be vanilla in the early go when you're kind of kidding yourself. But this team, I think, by and large, is going to win because of experience on offense. Even though the play calling is different, you have a veteran sickle caller in Will Rogers. You have four starters back on the offensive line. I think defensively we're going to be really good. It's okay to expect a big year. Now, are we going to win the West? No, we're not. Are we going to win 10? Probably not. It's possible, but probably not. Because you're going to start out 3-2 and two, and the chances of you you know, running out the rest of the schedule, winning out. I don't know if that's feasible, right? Could we go nine and three? Yeah, we could. But these people that are saying six and six, seven and five, I just don't see it. Barring a major injury, there's no reason to expect us to be a Liberty Bowl team. Just shouldn't be. But that's how I see it. And, uh, of course, we'll be transitioning a whole lot more into football uh, here in the weeks to come. But we'll wrap up some college baseball. Look forward to seeing everybody out at Duty Noble Field tonight. And hopefully the Bulldogs can find a way to win a game or two this weekend. We need two. We need three. But that's a little bit ambitious, don't you think? But, again, this is an Arkansas team. It's really beat up. So don't be surprised if you look up and maybe things are going the Bulldogs' way. If you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you get up most of my sports books there, Dogpile, uh, Alpha Dogs, and Flim Flam are there. You get Bloomsville Leander for a, a limited time now. We're about to take that off the market. Uh, you can get that at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, and that'll be that. We'll be done with that. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. But until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.